Right now, Bet365 offering a wide range of markets, including first, last or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football for the next few weeks, with games being played nearly every day. And with Bet365's Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live, with Bet365 Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm joined this week by the writer and broadcaster Amy Lawrence and the former Arsenal right-back and legend, because I know he likes me saying that, but I mean it. It's Mr Lee Dixon. Hello, guys. How are you? Uh, you know what? I'm fine. I'm fine. It's been a good week. This, I think we're going to call this the Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang special. Uh, our superstar striker finally put pen to paper, and we will get into that in some detail in a mo. Um, we wanted to ask, Lee hasn't been around for a while. I mean, he's been around. Mm. He just hasn't been on the yeah. podcast for a while. So we wanted to ask, uh, generally, what's what's the best thing that's happened to you since we last spoke? Because we last spoke uh, around, or I think, just after the cup final. So yeah. what's the, the you've, you've had a quite a uh, busy time personally, have you not? Well, yeah, I have. Uh, personally, I've moved house. Um, I've committed to the notion that I'm going to get a full knee replacement. So I don't know whether that's... Uh, a, when you say the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, <laughs> right. Well, in a way, it kind of is, because I've been putting it off for so long, and I've actually made a commitment now to say, no, I need to get it done. So the uh, the agony and the pain that I live on a daily basis, um, it will hopefully according to Tony Adams, go away because he's just, he had his done in December. So, um, and he's playing tennis and golf and running around like a spring chick. He, he runs more now than he did when he was playing. <laughs> and I can vouch for that because I did most of his clearing up behind yeah, him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of committed to the beginning of December and it's still a way away, but it's, it's at least it's a commitment. I've got the, uh, I've got the surgeon ready, ready to go. Although I was booked in with Tony's surgeon and, um, before lockdown, he obviously got cancelled. You got then, gazumped or something. By <laughs> <laughs> someone who came in with a better offer. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> I said to him, well, we just wait until after lockdown and do it in December or whatever. And, uh, and he sent me a text the other day going, I'll oh, just want to let you know that I've retired. And I went, you mean you've retired? <laughs> so you've got one to go. You can't retire with 10 minutes to go before the end of the, f- the final whistle. And anyway, he's gone off to Scotland and retired. So I've, got, I've found another surgeon now. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of looking well, forward to it. I think. That has gone in a completely different direction to, <laughs> to how I imagined it would. Amy, are your joints working fine at the moment? My joints haven't worked fine for a long, long time. <laughs> oh, um, Lee, I'm curious, is it your kicking leg? Does it tend to be the kicking leg that people's knees go in? Um, it is my kicking leg, which and everyone will know which one that is, based on the mm. fact I never used the other. Well, I used more than Nigel used his right foot. So, um, yeah, it is. I don't know whether, I'm just trying to think which one. I think, to, oh, I don't know now, I can't. 
decide which one Tony. I think Tony's his left one. Right. I don't and know. is your other knee fine? Is it, yeah. is it something that very much affects one more than the other? Yeah, I mean, I, if I didn't have the knee um, and the ankle, if you took those two away on my right leg, I, I would literally think I could, st- I could still play. I feel fit as a fiddle. It's just that knee. It's just really just... <laughs> just one of the two legs that you used to run about on but other than that you're in yes boss i'm ready if it wasn't for one fifty percent of my legs amy what's the best thing that's happened to you since we last spoke which i believe was last wednesday i think well not since uh, if we can if we're allowed to to have a similar time frame so when i last spoke to lee on this podcast yeah um i'd have to say that uh i got a puppy Yay. Oh, oh, Amy, it's lovely, and, uh, isn't it? What is it? It is a, a Labrador, no messing. I've dog. seen the pictures. Yeah, and uh, and I happened to be as I was tur- as I was turning in to uh, um, to the breeders to pick him up after all the waiting. Um, I received a call from not 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 name dropping here, but just to show the connection from Ian Wright. Um, because I'd written a piece with, about Wrighty and, and we were having a chat. And it felt like fate and we weren't sure what to call him. Obviously, you have a few ideas. And then as soon as that happened, it was like destiny. So he's Rocky. <laughs> Great. Brilliant. Great. Yeah. Very nice. Very All right. Fitting. Well, uh, how lovely. Um, I mean, one, the last two months I've been out for a meal. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice. I went out for a meal. So, you know, it's really possibly the most exciting thing that's happened to me in the last few months. Uh, I don't even want to talk about it. My, my dog's all right. My do- I have a dog, by the way, and I know this is getting slightly off the subject, but he's slightly losing his sight, and mm. uh, we're slightly concerned about it. Do they, do they get guide dogs for dogs, do you think? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if we get, we get another dog to lead him about. I really don't know how it works. Uh, but anyway, yeah, the meal was lovely, just to let you know. Uh, now, uh, we are going to talk about Pierre-Emerick uh, Yang this week. Signed the contract, rather drawn-out contract saga. Um, Lee, I wanted to ask you, um, how big is this for the club? I mean, I, I mean, I feel, and you can put me right on this, but I feel like it's a seminal moment. I genuinely do, because of... Because of what a big, what a, I mean, he's possibly the best striker in the, uh, uh, in the country. One of the top two or three in the world. And he's committed to our club. I mean, this yeah. is a big moment, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody should be excited and let, you know, get carried away for a little bit because we're allowed to do that now and again oh, as, as fans. Oh, brilliant. Thank so you. I, I turned yeah. into a fan for a moment, but I will be back. <laughs> Lee Dixon will be back shortly. What is happening to this podcast? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I was on Talk Sport yesterday um, talking to Laura and Ali about stuff and Abamyang, and, and they played me a clip of um, Adrian Durham talking about you know everyone's going overboard and it's this and it's that and i was like you know we we have to be let, let's just remind ourselves that there's a lot more intelligent um, football minded people in charge of uh, football clubs than most fans and, and I don't mean that in a derogatory I mean been in the game longer I've got ideas on how to run I mean running a team and putting a squad together is very very difficult um, and so we all have our opinions and that's what I get paid for that's what Amy gets paid for for writing her um, columns etc and I think sometimes Still don't know how that happens yeah <laughs> me neither no I didn't mean you I meant me sorry um <laughs> But I think we we sometimes forget that 
that um, they've got an idea on on how to put a club together. And keeping your best goal scorer would probably be everybody's idea of how to, you know, step number one, get someone who can, because it's the hardest thing to do on a, on a pitch. That, that, that's, that's the given. The hardest thing to do is score a goal. So if you've got one that's banging them in left, right and centre and his contract's up and then he turns around and says, oh, I want to sign a new one for three years, why why wouldn't you, anybody sign him? And I've, I've, I've heard some people say, you know, well, he's 31. He's, to replace him right now is going to cost you a lot of money. And based on the fact that he's already, he's already you know, banging his chest and kissing the badge, so we've got that part of him. He loves the club. You know, he's, he's been in a position, he might have been a little bit political, the way he's gone about signing his contracts, etc. But you can't blame players for that. And I think it's we, we should all stand back for a minute and throw Lee Dixon, you know, to one side for a minute and actually celebrate that one of the best goal scorers, as you said, Stoney, in the world is signing for Arsenal for another three years. And I think, you know, get the trumpets out. The bunting's gone up this morning. I won't be up for long, but I'll take it down tomorrow. And I'm too, I've got a little bit carried away with myself for the last couple of days, and I, you yeah. know, I had to give it Adrian yesterday on the on the on the radio because he's just talking nonsense. Um, yeah. And so every single club in the world would have been if they would just said been. right, he's up for sale, would have gone. Well, let's try and get him. Yeah. And he wasn't. He signed for us, so well done. And that Amy, that thing that he did with Wrighty. Uh, when he was on the uh, on the pitch at the Emirates, and they were expressing admiration for each other, and it was genuine and heartfelt. But that is the level he can reach, right? That level of love from the fans. If if he continues doing what he's doing, and there's no reason that that uh, he won't, he could uh, he he could almost have a statue outside the ground, right? Well, I still think writing needs a statue. Uh, well, uh, quite. Uh, before yes. we start thinking about anyone else, but that's a different story. Um, I uh, I think what's interesting about Bamiyang is that. If you rewind to when he signed, uh, and there are stories, I don't know how, how true this is, that even Arsene was a little bit reluctant based on this kind of notion that uh, maybe personality or character-wise, he bad might have been a bit of trouble. Yeah. And um, it, it just seems like he's the absolute polar opposite of, of what's turned out. And he's such a humble guy, which is what came across on that video. Um, and those who work with him and know him well say he's uh, got a f phenomenal attitude. He's very professional, works hard. Uh, yes, he likes his kind of, you know, flash cars and his, his fa fantastic clothes. But he is a, a genuinely dedicated, uh, excellent footballer who hasn't really caused any grief. And in fact, when you think about all the uh, difficulties and turbulence yes. that ha ha was at the club over recent period he's been the cause was, of none of it he well not only was he not the cause of one he was holding everything together i think there was a point at which you know in the sort of worst period uh, under unai emery where abamian was scoring almost every match and just keeping you know keeping the things rolling just about and if it wasn't for him god only knows um Do you, I, I, and I, I just think there's such a, a signal that it sends out uh, not just to, to the to people within the club and to people possibly outside. That I, six months ago, I definitely sat there at the turn of the year and thought, Ooh, looking mm. practically at, at likelihood of things, why would he want to stay? Um, 
he's got a yeah he's a, he's an elite player and can probably play at, at a at a, a, a level of guaranteed Champions League and he's at a st stage of his career this is the realistically the last big contract and he hasn't won a ton of stuff to reflect the quality of his football over his career you know he's 31 years old and winning that FA Cup was massive because he doesn't have that many medals for a player no. of his quality and and can Arsenal deliver him more medals over these next few years well hope so um, but it, it was a real show of faith for him he needed to be properly paid to stick around uh, with a real high wage and you rem Lee will remember how Dennis Bergkamp bizarrely had to get an annual contract towards the latter end of his career you know there was this period when uh, any player over 30 had to you know was only allowed a year contract and they would extend annually um, they've shown that they need Aubameyang desperately uh, for what he represents and what he brings on the pitch. Amy, what, um, that, what, that, what that does as well, well, I'm just trying to think of it from a player's point of view, when, you, when somebody at the top end of the pitch, especially from where I stood, miles away at the other end, trying to keep them out, when, when your top striker or, uh, signs a new contract or stays at the club, commits to the club, what it does as well, it, it validates what you're doing at the back, and you and you kind of get another. You go, yeah, we could because you know you know that what you're doing at the back has repercussions for the team. If you can keep the ball out of the net, then that's half the job done. But you've got to somehow find a way of scoring. And if that's taken away from you as a defend as a defence and, and a deflated. defence, yeah, right. you kind of go, what what. What am I going to do next season? How are we yeah. going to, you know, all those times when he got them out of trouble last year, how, how many times those defenders went, oh, God, thank God for that, because we're under pressure here. Now, all of a sudden, you, you don't relax. You just go, yeah, what we're doing is worthy because we know that we've got a chance of scoring and winning games. And let's also not forget that his goal-scoring record, based on the fact he's playing in a, or has been playing in a pretty bang-average team, um, is extraordinary. And you look at the, you know, where Thierry scored his goals. Right, he was probably a little bit more like Aubameyang than Thierry because Thierry was playing in a very good side, creating lots of chances. He scored a lot of goals on the, on his own. Right, when he first came in, he was playing in a you know we were efficient, but this the, a bit similar to the team that is now in as much as there wasn't the the creative flair. Not as the, many chances. No, basically. there was when Thierry was playing. So yeah. this goal-scoring record has to be looked at and go, do you know what? When this team start clicking and they're showing signs, he's going to get more chances and he's going to score more goals. Can I mention the, the fact that we made him captain as well? And, and, I, and, and I've spoken about this in the past when I remember when David Beckham was made captain of England and it seemed to... to basically, he puffed his chest out and, he, and he, he sort of took on the responsibility. I know, Amy, you were talking about that sort of image that, that we had when he first arrived, possibly a bit of a bad boy. Do you think that making him captain has really been the, the next step, really, for him to assume it critical? Yeah. I'll I, I tell you for why. Um, uh, I, I spoke to Sven Mislintat, who um, essentially helped to bring him to the club um, when he was at Arsenal. And he's a, he loves Aubameyang, absolutely loves him, and gets quite annoyed with the idea that people have this image of him that is not really him and uh, he said to me this was before he was made captain that 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 is the thing to do because a player like that when they there are certain players when they reach a point of of, of their game and of their status where you almost 
you were at a very high level, but you sort of, not necessarily plateaued, that's the wrong word, but everything's very steady on a high point. You sometimes need something extra to feel important, to feel motivated. And he advocated making him captain, uh, even sort of back at the early part of last season when there was issues about who was going to be at Arsenal captain and votes and captaincy leadership groups and so we on. We talked so about it quite a bit, didn't we? <laughs> well, but, you know, it, it, was a, it was a sense of saying to him, here's something extra. Here's, here's something that you need to bring to your game where you're taking responsibility, not just for yourself, but for your team. And your, uh, you know, your status is important. And even um, when he talked about legacy, believe it or not, and I think it's a very sweet thing and probably quite an unusual thing and an idealistic thing. Most of the time, let's be realistic, people are signing contracts because, yes, they've got great sporting goals and things they want to achieve. But money is important, obviously. It's a big motivating factor. But when Mikel Arteta turned around to... Um, Aubameyang and said to him, yep, you can go to other clubs and you can probably win stuff and, you know, great. But you can have a legacy here. You can be up there with the righties, with the Thierry Henry's and be, you know, have that kind of iconic status. Leave your legacy at a club where the love is very real and very genuine and for all time. And that appealed to him. I think it well, made a difference. It would appeal. Kind of I mean, amazing. It would appeal to most people, I guess, but I wanted to mention that. And, and legacy, I mean, we haven't really talked that much about Mikel Arteta at, at this point, but he surely is is the, the, the vital part of this whole thing, that he has turned things around. Because as you said, Amy, when you looked at it in November, December, and we, we thought, why would he stay? Surely he wants to go to a club that's got better prospects. Mikel Arteta has changed things so much that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is thinking, yeah, this is the place for me. I can create a legacy here. I mean, Lee, that's going to appeal to a player, isn't it, really? Yeah, absolutely. I think Amy's spot on. I think that's a big part of it. With uh, I, I remember when at the odd occasion that I got the armband when Tony wasn't playing, I was kind of, there was a period of time where I was vice-captain and I'm a, a big believer in 11 captains in the team and all of that sort of stuff that you talk about but ultimately when that armband's handed over to you you do it does feel but what what it did for me is I, I as soon as I put the armband on I looked backwards I looked behind me and looked at those great captains that had the armband before me you know the Tony Adams the Frank McClintocks and I went wow that, they, this has been entrusted in me to put on my arm and look at those players who've worn it before me it does it the shirt's good enough to be honest with you putting that cannon on with the number two on the back was always my pride and joy every week, Saturday. I got to do it once, sometimes twice a week. But I think when that armband's given to you, and I think he, he looks the type to me, and I don't know him, you know, righty, I'm seeing righty next week, I'll get the ins and outs of, of him as a person, I'm sure. Um, but I don't know him, but he looks, you know, all the stuff with the cars and all the, the clothes, and it's all stuff and nonsense and you can and that's why you you never really get to know the players as such because it's all on the outside you see that stuff and you see him wheel spinning coming out of the emirates after a game in his gold lamborghini and you think <laughs> you could make an opinion on him and i've done it several times but yes. I, I genuinely think he is an, a, a very humble nice guy and that to that to me deserves you know he deserves to have that armband for a period of time, but I think. Oh, sorry, I went off topic then because you were talking about Arteta. I think, I think the way, what he's done, 
since he's been at the club. And I was one of those who thought, you know, let's see how he does. I start, stood back, didn't make any assessments on him and went, it's his first job. This is going to be a big one. Stepping into huge uh, footprints of, of Arsene and, and obviously Emery coming after that made it a little bit easier. But what he's done and the diff- difficult decisions and, and problems that he's had to solve and, what, and the main one, a completely different attitude to how they play the game and different formation and a different accountability in training, all of that sort of stuff. Um, but he's he's dealing with problems with Ganduzi and the Ozil situation and the, the miraculous turnaround with, with Xhaka and then to get his, his captain to sign another three-year deal. I mean, he's, he's absolutely knocking the lights out at the moment, regardless of results. And then he wins something in his first season. I mean, you you cannot, you could not get a better start to a a reign at a massive football club in the doldrums, in mid you know mid table mediocrity, just about. And yeah. he's, he's he's on. And I, God, I'm getting carried away again. I'm going to have to. Sh- <laughs> Lee Dixon's coming back in a minute. He's just nipped out for a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the carried away thing, Amy. You wanted to talk about this. Um, yeah, um, Lee, I was curious to know if you think there's anything uh, substantial and important in the fact that they've given him a new job title to reflect the job that he's been doing. I thought it was really interesting, you know, the head coach thing that was uh, the brainchild of uh, one of Ivan Gazidis' um, brainchilds, uh, children, brainchildren. But, yeah. that, you know, that didn't quite uh, uh, work out. So the fact that they took the decision at the club to say, no, actually, you're the manager. What you're doing is about the football club, not just the first team. You're leading the entire joint here. Um, you're inspiring the in- entire joint. It felt quite significant, I think, for Arsenal to almost revert to something that refl- more approximated what they used to have. And I wonder almost whether they're trying to recreate a little bit of their kind of classic Wenger Dean uh, uh, collaboration where with with Arteta and Edu being sort of leading the the, the, the club sort of mm. in terms of everything it represents. Well, the thing the thing is with giving a player the armband and, it, and you get that feeling, he will have got exactly the same feeling when the club said, right, you now you know first team manager. It, as as him, I'm pretty sure he would have looked at that and gone, yeah, I've got my own armband on now. I can lead this club and I'm driving the. You know, I'm at the front of the ship and I'm steering, and this is—I think that's a huge thing. And a little thing, you know, it might might seem nothing from the outside, but people who know the club and know how far they'd fallen from the traditions and um, the way that things are done at Arsenal, I think we have fallen, you know, too far away from those ideals and. And I think you know slowly bringing those back, and that could be one of them. You could put that in the in the list and saying, yeah, that's that's a bit like the old Arsenal. And and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with old, you know. And, and there's nothing wrong with new. It doesn't have just because it's new doesn't mean it's good, and just because it's old it doesn't mean it's bad. So a mixture of the both, and the keeping those traditions close to your heart, which Arsenal always tried to do, and started to lose that towards the end as the club sort of got bigger and bigger around him and started taking over. And then he, and then we were in a, a position of transition too quickly. And I think now they've sort of realised that and started to go back to a couple of those. And, the, you know, the, the longer that those traditions last, I think that it benefits the club. So got to go back to short sleeve, long sleeve. For <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, John Radford used to make the decision when I started watching. Uh, anyone under 50 used to play for us. Um, I want to ask, actually, about Mikel Arteta and, and what is beginning to be called Arteta Ball. I saw a picture uh, of the Liverpool and the Fulham goals that, that um, Aubameyang scored. And uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles and Kieran Tierney were in exactly the same position uh, for both goals. I mean, Lee, is that the whole thing? The team is much better drilled now. They seem to be positionally more... They seem to know where they should be on the pitch. Yeah, it's always a good. It's always a good, um, a good philosophy to have. No, no, nowhere to be on the pitch when the ball's in a certain area, and 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 I think you know that goes back to to Pep's idea on how you play the game. There's certain patterns of play that happen on the pitch all of the time, and as spectators, you sit back and watch the game, and you and you perhaps don't see all of them because they're you know they're slightly different or whatever. But there's certain positions of the ball where Thierry used to tell me when he when he went to Barcelona, he said, you know, when a ball went into a certain area, when the left back got in a certain area on the pitch, he had to make a stupid run into the corner, almost go offside, in order for that to to move one player out of the way, which made made Etu come short to the ball, and then he would run away. And that would leave the space for Iniesta to pick the ball up in a certain area of the pitch, and he had to do that run. He knew he wasn't going to get the ball because he makes it, you know, he kind of makes it obvious that that run, I'm going to make this run, and all the defenders look at him and go, "Oh, Thierry's making that run. I better go with him." And and it just releases different areas of the pitch, and it's a pattern of play. That's when you you practice patterns of play normally. You know, we used to do it with George the day before a game, right? Pattern of play, and you're like, you know, no opposition. You're just walking through certain scenarios of where the ball is, when the ball's there, especially the back four. I move here, Tony's there, da 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 da. da. And then, lo and behold, on a Saturday, and the ball is in that position, you instantly go, oh, well, I, I should move there. And then Tony, oh, there he is. He's there. That's yeah. amazing. And then all of a sudden you win the ball back and you're like, okay. And if you do that all over the pitch and that takes a huge amount of coaching, huge amount of concentration and dedication from the players from Monday to Friday to get that those patterns ingrained in your thinking that you don't even have to think. You just go, oh, the, and that's what the, you know, that goal, the two goals you mentioned will go, you know, when the ball gets thrown there and that ball goes there, I move yes. here and I do that. And you, and all of a sudden as fans, you go, oh, that's the same as a goal that happened. You know? It just so happened that the opposition didn't stop it like the, like the previous goal. And loads of times that they will have been in those positions, but someone would have got an interception and you, and it all breaks down and you don't actually notice it. But when the goal scored from it, you go, oh, I've seen that before. Yeah. A couple of debuts as well uh, at the weekend. Um, Amy, with uh, Gabriel, I think we, we are we are sort of settled rather than trying to pronounce his surname. But with Gabriel, um, how important do you think it was? This is for both of you, really. How important do you think it was for that mistake that he made in the first two minutes not to result in a goal? Um, I don't know enough about him to know it, whether that would have destroyed his confidence or whether he's a strong enough character that he would have just cracked on but obviously it's helpful that he didn't result mm. in a goal but putting that to one side what a joy yeah just just to see a big strong athletic <laughs> composed dominant oh my god it was like uh, it just felt uh, a caveat Fulham were really really very average um, so it wasn't exactly the sternest test 
And it was a, a nice debut for him in a way. And we won four possibly, games away last season. Amy. Possibly nice to get a mistake out of the way that doesn't cost you something. Who knows? But um, he, he just has a different kind of a presence at the back. And I and I'm sure Lee will be more eloquent than me on this. But it doesn't half feel great to have a, a centre back with proper presence, kind of who's looking like he's really clued in, reading the game well, dealing with trouble, um, just sort of big, badass, sort of great player at the back. Yes. Love it. Yeah. Lee? Beautifully put, Amy. <laughs> it was eloquent, wasn't it? It was beautifully it eloquent. Was, it was eloquent. Big, badass defender, really. I think, I, think, I think what it does to people around, when once you get a confidence in, certainly from a full-backs point of view, having somebody on the inside of you who you can kind of rely on to do certain things that you need him to do, i.e., be there when you need him, be strong, be uh, quick if the ball's gone over your head. So it puts you in a really positive frame of mind as a fullback. You know, go. I knew that uh, whenever the ball went in certain areas, I could afford to go a little bit too tight on my winger because I knew Martin Keown would be the be my side of marking his centre forward. And if I, if I got beat, he'd be because he was quick. He'd be over there really quickly. And so I'd take a little chance and go a little bit too tight. And if if it had got maybe a player, a young player behind me who wasn't quite as switched on, and he was making a debut, and he was, um, and I wasn't comfortable, I wouldn't go as tight. Then so that drops me two or three yards off my winger. So he now can get it to feet, and when he gets it to feet, he turns around and looks at me and starts running at me. So everybody in that back line starts running back to their own goal. So already you've got a domino effect from you, the fullback, not feeling comfortable because of the guy on the inside of you. So I think he gave that presence at the weekend. So it enabled other... And, and sometimes a mistake, it, does, it, it validates the fact that you are comfortable with him. You know, if Martin made a mistake, I knew he would get better because he would be... Because I knew his character... And as Amy said, we don't know Gabriel's character right now, and we'll learn about all of that. You presume that the due diligence and the and the scouting network has has provided enough information to know that if he does make a mistake, he'll get over it. Because players make mistakes. And what you don't want to see is him crumble and fall to pieces in front of your eyes. And I could name several who still at the club that that visibly done. do that yes so well, time will tell but if he if he's one of those that can get over those little hiccups here and there and he looks like he possibly can the rest of him as amy most elegantly put <laughs> is um you know he's a, he's a sight to behold and i think something that we haven't had for a while no and the other thing we haven't had for a while is a playmaker in midfield um and willian oh, i mean he i mean well, he, I mean, that floated pass for that uh, for that Aubameyang goal. And, and he did have two assists, which is the same, by the way, as Mesut Ozil did last season. Um, he had two <laughs> assists in the first 60 minutes and was involved in another goal as well. Um, were either of you a little bit doubtful before he came, offering a guy that of that age a three-year contract? Amy, I'll ask you. I'm still a bit dubious about the three years, but for now, delighted. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I was dubious that we were able to get the deal over the line because I thought, as soon as I thought we were in for him, I was like, oh, yeah, please sign him. Please, just sign him. Even if he signs a three-year contract and you only get a year out of him, he's yeah. good enough for me. I haven't, I've, 
I don't think I've seen him have a bad game. I've watched Chelsea a lot. No. Every time he gets on the ball, I go, someone's going to... Even if he's not playing particularly well, he will have a good game, if that makes sense, because he will make something happen at some point. And he, he, what he does with defenders, because he's got that amazing ability to go from standing still to running past you with the ball instantly, he's, he's off the mark pace, must be one of some of the best numbers in the Premier League. Yes. That little outside flick he's got with his right foot so what he does he he runs to players and then he stops and once you stop a defender in front of you the the you the advantage is yours you you're almost given given a free pass to go past him and that's what defenders hate stopping on a pitch they want to keep moving they want to keep going because they're in the impetus is with you you're the one who's making the decision on the ball when to move it defender doesn't know he's he's reacting and if you if you stop a defender and then go quickly again. You've almost got, you know, you almost go past anybody. And he's got that ability, and his 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 delivery, his uh, his execution of free kicks, his energy. Yeah, top um, class. I don't think that you know. Again, time will tell whether three years was a little bit too much, but that's what he wanted. And in order to get him, he's worth it. I think. Hello, uh, producer Tyo here. This athletic podcast is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix. It's an online personal styling service that takes the hard work out of dressing well. To get started, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. You get to fill in a style quiz and tell us about your personal style, your budget, your size, your shape and your clothing needs and wants. A personal stylist will then send you five items of clothing, each handpicked especially for you from their selection of 100 brands, including established names and -and up-and-coming designers. Try on everything at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You can then pay for what you like and send back the rest. For your stylist's time, you pay a charge of just £10, which is deducted from the cost of anything you buy. So remember, you try before you buy, delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. Get started with Stitch Fix today and support our podcast, please, by going to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. That's S-T-I-T-C-H-F-I-X dot co dot uk forward slash athletic thanks this is uh handbrake off the arsenal podcast brought to you by the athletic i'm ian stone here with lee dixon and amy lawrence lee you know you said about not getting carried away and you're right not to get carried away but as i was saying to amy we only won four away games last season and uh yeah. you know i know it was fulham and, and all the rest of it, they're not a very good team. They may well get relegated. But the confidence with which they brush them aside, it, it must give us confidence moving forward. Yeah, I'm, and Lee Dixon's back now, actually. So he's yeah. he's now back on the microphone. So I'm just going to be all <laughs> down, <laughs> downward spiral from here. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, if I was a player now and I was in that dressing room, I would exactly be saying that now saying hang on a minute lads we've won one game I know, we, I know we won four away from home last year and we've won one now calm yourself down calm yourself down we're playing a team that shouldn't shouldn't even be in the Premier League because Brentford should have beat them anyway yep. that's another story um, so yeah just you know work hard in training get a few more training sessions under your belt get that fitness back and then who knows where we can go? And we've got, you know, we've got a test 
um, tests coming up that are going to be bigger and a lot stronger than Fulham. So, you know, that smile might turn to a grimace for a bit, but I'm pretty sure what what he's doing on the training pitch, and, I, you know, I've got a few um, little snippets of, of, how, of how it's going on the training pitch, and it, they're all responding. So that's the only good thing. It is. Um, uh, Amy, yes, let's talk about the piece you wrote about uh, Burnt Leno. Um, I think there's a lot in there that I really liked, uh, what you said about the two goalkeepers. But I think the thing that really got me is when you said about uh, he's made a mistake in front of a, of a, of a crowd of 60,000 people and he's recovered from that. And maybe part of the calculation from the management was we don't know what Emmy Martinez will be like when he uh, when he uh, cocks up in some way. So um, do you think that was that was part of the calculation as to why they, they chose Burnt Leno over Martinez? I mean, it, it could be and, until Arteta explains everything properly. I, I suspect there's a, a, a multitude of factors at work. Um, and in many ways, it was also an unexpected decision to have to make. Yes. In that not so long ago, I don't think there was any question that Arsenal would be considering, you know, which of their goalkeepers should be number one of Leno and Martinez. It was undeniably Leno up until his injury. And Martinez, that period that he came in was so magical uh, and so uh, such a crest of a wave almost of of positive, uh, surprising, amazing performances culminating in a cup final and tears that it's easy to get a bit um, a bit too drawn in to what it all feels like and actually what Arsenal and Arteta and his staff have to do is be incredibly pragmatic. They're trying to build a whole squad here. It's not like a goalkeeping popularity contest. And it was such a small sample size in a way. When Leno came in last season, sorry, when Martinez came in last season, midway through the game at Brighton, he then played 11 and a half matches. It feels like a lot longer but it's obviously not that much. They, the club have known him for 10 years. So if they're making a decision, if they're favouring one goalie over another, that then part of it is based on a much bigger amount of information. And that whole period that Ma- uh, Martinez was in was during lockdown, uh, sort of lockdown and, and behind closed doors football. So he has had periods in the past, I think, where they've m- maybe queried how much he can handle big, big pressure. And although obviously there was huge pressure in those, particularly FA Cup semi-final and final, and he responded amazingly well with brilliant performances, what's it like playing with that intensity of a, of a high emotion, high energy crowd, maybe on your case? I don't know whether that's a factor, but it could be, um, because it was an unusual circumstance to be judging him in. Uh, also, you've got to put in the financial element, who are they getting bids for? And I've seen a lot of people on Twitter say, oh, you should have got 40 million for Leno instead and oh, could have, yeah. you know, straight <sighs> You have to get in the real world of what's going on in the transfer market. And there may have been no bids for Leno. We don't know. Um, but there are not a lot of clubs in Germany, which would be an obvious destination if he was for sale, who would necessarily be coming in with big money for a goalkeeper at the moment. Um, that 20 million from Aston Villa is not money that Arsenal would have anticipated getting for the guy that was the reserve goalkeeper back in January. No. During the last window. So it's kind of bonus money. And in a period when they have to strengthen the entire squad and 
not a lot of money has come in so far this summer. It's, been, it's proving really hard to generate sales, or certainly the sales that are interesting enough to, to Arsenal. They will have to sell or loan or get rid of some players because the squad's massive. But it's clearly hard. So I'm not sure it was as complicated a decision, even if I can understand totally the argument where people are saying um, Martinez was amazing. There's a lot of stuff he does that seems to be superior or seemed in that 15 games. In the air, he looks the better player. Um, with his feet, he looks comfortable. His confidence and presence is... He's a bigger guy. Um, but Leno is... People have almost forgotten that he's a good goalkeeper. Player of the well. season in the first half of last season. Lee, is it is it what Amy is saying? Is it more of a pragmatic rather than emotional response, which is obviously what the fans do? Yeah, absolutely. I think she's, she's absolutely spot on with what she said. And I think I, I don't... I al- well, don't want to be too cruel here, but I almost don't see what the conversation is. You just got twenty million for your your second team goalkeeper, which he is. Let's you know, just because he's had that spell, does do all, does do all the fans want him to be the number one? And as I said, if he's been at the club for ten years and he's not made that his own, then there's a question mark. And so, is that question mark worth selling him for twenty million to? Villa, I would say so. I don't. I don't. I think it's an absolute no-brainer. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm almost reluctant to give you an answer, Stony, but I will because that's what I'm here for. <laughs> the dog <laughs> and, wants to join us Zig, as well, and Ziggy thinks the same thing. Well, I tell you what, uh, we're sort of done, really. So I thought we maybe have a song if either of you have a song. Lee, you don't normally have to get involved uh, in this. What we do at the end of I'm the podcast? I'm not singing. I'm literally not singing. <laughs> yes, we we ask for a karaoke version of your favourite song. No, no, we just want to get a song which is related to your feelings uh, this week. It's probably the uh, the same song every week for me, and uh, it's uh, Meatloaf, Bat Out of Hell. <laughs> and this this is connected to Arsenal in 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 any particular way, or you just like the song? No, it just I think it sums their ex right back up. <laughs> right, well, it's left field, but um, I get what you're saying. Uh, Amy, do you have a song for well, this week? I was uh, I was considering uh, in the spirit of honouring uh, Aubameyang's new contract. It, it was really daft, and I'm. I don't expect Tayo to play this at all, but Captain Sensible, Happy Talk. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Good um, one. <laughs> Do you know what? I would give you a million pounds if Tayo uh, chooses uh, to play that. I have got another one that I would actually think we could listen to. Save us, Amy, please. A dance track uh, called Shine On by Degrees of Motion. And it's just like, it makes it feels right for a Bamiya. Nice. 
I'm no. liking it. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, I would be happy with Bat Out of Hell as well. Even though, I don't know what it means, but I love I love the album. Um, so, uh, we're, well, we're done. And, and a, a very upbeat podcast. West Ham, by the way, uh, at the weekend. So we have got some tests ahead of us, but we got West Ham first. So uh, <laughs> let's see how that goes. Lee, been a pleasure uh, yeah. having you for the, for the whole podcast as well. Lovely nice, to be normally. back. Yeah. It's great, Aww. it's great, and uh, thanks for joining us. It Make is next, next time a bit more of the misery, right? We don't really recognise him. Yeah, at no, all. He, no, that other bloke's <laughs> gone. I've thrown him in the garden. <laughs> it's Happy Lee Dixon. <laughs> I'd love to introduce you in that way. And uh, thank you to Amy. Uh, thank you to Tayo for looking after us, and uh, thank you for listening. I'm Ian Stone. This has been the Handbrake. Uh, off podcast for the athletic. See you soon.